Faces come and go and I'm forever grateful Come and tell me long and slow exactly what I wait for Better times, yeah, better times, somehow I don't believe it I built a house up long ago just to up and leave it This afternoon, a large group of people are gathering on the border of Minnesota and Iowa to dedicate the newest permanent public waterfall production area. And there are a lot of special things about this project, yeah, including, I'm looking out the window, we're recording this at a, at a state park in uh, northern Iowa, and Spirit Lake is lapping against the shore. It's a beautiful setting here. <laughs> uh, it's hard not to, to be chill and have a smile on your face in this setting. Um, so we're recording this just a, a mile down the road from this brand new waterfall production area. And there are some special things about this brand new WPA. It's a 195.5 acre waterfall production area that is on the Minnesota side of the line. And I told you I'm on the Iowa side right now. It is literally on the state line between Minnesota and Iowa. And this project is going to be named in honor of the newly or recently retired Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever President and CEO, Howard Vincent. You've heard him on this very podcast a number of times. You've seen the stories uh, on our website, in video. Um, Howard is a mentor who I love, who I cherish. Um, he, is, he is Pheasants Forever to so many people across the country. And this project is going to carry his name. It's a legacy for his career. So it was extremely important that, uh, uh, for me to be here. And I am honored to be the MC of the dedication later today. It uh, makes me smile to, to know that I, I can do that. I was at uh, MC to Howard's retirement and now is uh, land dedicated in his honor. Um, I wasn't at his wedding, though. <laughs> the blaze, I am wearing the blaze jacket tonight, but uh, that wasn't at the wedding. Um, the other thing that's super cool about this project, it includes funding from 32, yes, 32 Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever chapters across the country. Yes, count them. 32 chapters have contributed to this land acquisition that sits on the border of Minnesota and Iowa, uh, including a few hundred individuals have made donations, uh, dozens of corporate partners, including Nestle Perina and Onyx Hunt with sizable donations to this land acquisition, and Howard's group of best friends known as the Howler Group all contributed. And I know that, so Howler is Howard and Larry, um, and uh, I know they've had some of their, their annual parties here in the Spirit Lake, Okaboji area, that we're not too far from, well, we're, we're literally next to Spirit Lake, and I know they've had some of their summer gatherings here, so it's super special to the Howler Group. So uh, shout out to the Howler Group for making a contribution. Um, and, and so lots of special things here. And if I go way back, hit the way back machine, the very first episode of On the Wing podcast 
was with Aaron Sandquist. And the, the concept there was the anatomy of a Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever land acquisition. So today is a bit of a reboot of that concept. We're going to talk with Tanner Bruce, who's the state coordinator for Minnesota. He's grabbed the baton from Aaron in that role. Aaron's moved up the food chain a little bit. Aaron's your boss, right? He is my boss. <laughs> okay. He yeah. is my boss. Hi, Hi Aaron. We Hi know Aaron. you're listening. You're an awesome, you're an awesome individual, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So we're going to talk a little bit about um, how a land acquisition comes together, but a different wrinkle this time. It's going to be a little bit of a case study because we have two of the folks instrumental in making this project happen here on the border of Iowa and Minnesota. Um, it shows collaboration between all the chapters in the community. Um, so without further ado, you've heard his voice already. Tanner Bruce joins me, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's Minnesota State Coordinator. We have Mary Jo Rapp, who is a chapter officer with the Iowa Great Lakes Pheasants Forever chapter. She's smiling yes. next to me. Thank you for joining. And we have John Smeltzer, the president of the Spirit Lake Protective Association. You're kind of protecting it right now with uh, guarding it from me catching all the walleyes. Oh, no, you're, you're doing fine. You're doing fine. <laughs> so let's go around the horn a little bit. Thank you all for, for joining here before the land dedication later today. Um, Tanner, start with you for folks that haven't heard you on um, that podcast before. And you've been on a few. Been you, on a few. You've uh, coined the term hot lunch. Maybe. New, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't know I won't can, claim it. But. You, you can't necessarily say you've coined the term hot lunch, which is, which is what? Let's start there. Well, that would be a pheasant that in the wintertime likes to go up into a livestock feed yard uh, and enjoy some of the grain that was not digested. <laughs> is, that, is that correct yes, enough for that, you? Yes, that's good. Okay. And okay. on that note, tell us what you do for the organization, where you're from. So, Bob, as the Minnesota State Coordinator, we've got a fantastic team in Minnesota that works both on the public land side, uh, that's acquiring land, uh, that's restoring land, and we also have the private land side that are working with individual landowners and private lands and, and providing conservation uh, recommendations on their private property uh, through different federal and state programs. Um, from there, I still can't get it out of my mind, the walleye chop that I'm looking at right now, yeah. now that you keep talking about walleyes, Bob. But <laughs> from there, I'm originally from uh, south of Worthington, Minnesota. Uh, We're, we are south of Worthington. We're a little bit east of Worthington. We're east of Worthington. Yep. Yeah. About yep. a half hour. So, yeah, about 30 miles straight west is okay. where I was born and raised. Okay. Um, currently live by Marshall, Minnesota, mm -hmm. Lyon County. Uh, again, I will stand by my word. There's no pheasants there. so um, <laughs> The Minnesota DNR disagrees. With I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, but anyway, so I, I live uh, near Marshall, Minnesota. I have a uh, beautiful wife, Heather, uh, two sons, Bo and Wyatt, uh, six and eight, and I am a lab guy. So don't, don't throw that bottle of water There's across the room at me. I am a lab guy. What color? Uh, they are yellow labs. Yeah. Go. Little, they're more white than yellow, but uh, you and I are brothers, yeah. different mothers. <laughs> I just through and through a lab guy. I grew up with labs, and and now I have a nine-year-old. And for some weird reason, in the mix of kids and sports, mm -hmm. uh, careers, everything, I decided to get a puppy. So I have a 15-week-old, yeah, yellow cool. lab puppy. And Fine. what's the name? Uh, Rudy. 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 All right. And then the the now old man be is tough trigger. in the field. It, yeah. That's going to be really tough in the field. I actually didn't have a say in the name. <laughs> you might have to have a field name. Be like yeah. you're ordering a sandwich when you're calling dogs. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, I've been with the organization for 10 years. Um, 10 years. Yep. No kidding. Time flies. It does. Well, thank you for joining me. Thanks for setting up. Uh, you're, you're the man behind the scenes for a lot of the logistics today. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, Mary Jo, you uh, said Rudy's going to be a hard name to yell at the field. What's your pup's name? So we have two dogs, and okay. we have Rozzy, who okay. is named after an Ithaca Parazzi gun. Oh, sure. But Parazzi is too hard to say, oh. so he's Rozzy. Right. And then we have, uh, and he's three, and then we have a two-year-old that's name is Crocus. Okay. And we did not name her when we Nothing got Nothing wrong with Crocus, yeah, though. At first, I was like, well, I don't really like that name. Mm. And I asked the breeder that we got him from, you know, will it be okay if we change, it, change her name? And he's like, oh, I really, I wouldn't recommend it. Uh-huh. And then we're like. Well, we've always had very unusual dog names, so why wouldn't we like Crocus? <laughs> Crocus and Rozzy, and what, what breed are they? They're Black Labs. Black Labs. So <laughs> I'm way in the crowd of listeners are very happy that there's not another short hair person on today's podcast. I like it. <laughs> so you have Black Labs. And tell us a little bit about your, I mentioned you're a volunteer with the chapter here. Where are you from? And um, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. So I grew up in, um, over by Mason City in mm. the little town, Nora Springs. Saragordo County, right? Absolutely, Saragordo County. And um, I came to Spencer to go to school. Okay. And so that's kind of how I got introduced into this area at first. Ended up in Des Moines, met my husband, and we had a friend that lived on the beach, and we came up for the 3rd of July when the Spirit Lake Protective Association has their big fireworks. And a friend of ours lived here on the North Shore, and we saw a little property for sale, and we, we bought it two years later, and we've been here now for almost 20 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So um, we absolutely, you know, love this area and love um, being on Spirit Lake. Uh, my husband's name is Dave, and we've been hunting for, well, I've been hunting since the early 90s. Okay. He's been hunting his whole life. And so he introduced me to hunting. We started out with deer and turkeys because that's what we had on a property. Then when we moved up here and we started getting introduced to the birds and now we're um, big upland game hunters. What was the catalyst for you to say, you know, I want to do this? Well, it was all about the camaraderie. Mm. So when we, um, when I first started going with him and they did a big deer hunt Mm -hmm. and there'd be like 20 guys and and some women mm-hmm. and just the fun that they had and the enthusiasm that they had and they and I was like well I want to do that mm-hmm. so and is the is that the reason you keep coming back the camaraderie or has it evolved and changed over time it has evolved and changed over time so we don't really hunt in big groups so much anymore mm-hmm. and I um, just love to be out in nature and that's the thing I love about turkey hunting is that you're there by yourself and, you, you know, you see all the wildlife and, you know, spring and everything's just waking up. So I love that part. And but now, you know, we don't really do that much up here. Mm. So just going out and wandering around in the prairie and taking my dogs out for a good run is is very enjoyable. Do you have a favorite destination to go on a bird hunt? 
Um, I always thought I would like to go to Argentina, but I think I might be over that. <laughs> <laughs> Something a little closer, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, no, not really. We, we just, we enjoy being here and we yeah. hunt in South Dakota uh, quite a bit and go up into Minnesota and and do some hunting up go there. up into minnesota like across the road yeah across <laughs> jump jump across the road <laughs> i think i can make it <laughs> yeah. um, it's that's hard for an iowan sometimes to go up into minnesota I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there there's some listeners that are saying it happens the reverse too <laughs> yeah. i was trying to stay away from the whole iowa minnesota beef oh you can't no it might no. be there embrace it. No. it it'll be it, fine it's just part of the way we live yeah so, yeah, we're in Minnesota and Iowa every day because we drive on both sides of the road. Wow. There is, I mean, it, so it literally cuts through the road. That's what I've always believed, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, John Smeltzer, president of Spirit Lake Protective Association. Tell us about your, um, your history, your background. We already know you're a yellow lab guy. I'm a yellow lab guy, and I've been a yellow lab guy for about, I don't know, 20 years. I lost my most recent yellow lab a little over a year ago from a nasal cancer. It was wow. quite unexpected. Hmm. Nasal per- a nas- cancer? A nasal cancer. I've can- never heard of such yeah, a thing. It was Me either. That's pretty, pretty nasty. Yeah, it sucks. I'm sorry. And, and on the opening day of pheasant season two years ago, I was at the Iowa State University hosp- at hospital in their emergency, mm. uh, finding out that that was it. Oh, but... Boy. I've been a lab guy. I remain a lab guy. I continue to hunt over labs, but I do have friends who have setters. And I've hunted I've hunted with there setters. There was a little uh, smirk in your... Yeah, your, yeah, well, you'd have to know those guys. Okay. I mean, there's, there's a unique personality, it seems Are they like. from Iowa? Um, one's from Minnesota. <laughs> okay. Actually, and the other ones are from Colorado. Okay. Um, for me, interesting um, road to get to here today... Uh, three years a school teacher in Iowa. Huh. Uh, taught science, um, science um, biology, or yeah, chemistry, trained, or everything. Trained as a uh, biologist. Okay. Um, taught physical science. Taught chemistry, um, and did uh, a field ecology class for one year. But went back to graduate school uh, at Colorado State University in Fort Collins, and my I was able to take my wife with me. She went along too, and both of us went to graduate school. There and ended up doing our professional careers in Fort Collins area in Colorado generally. She was um, involved as an associate athletic director ultimately for uh, student services with Colorado State University. And I went through a progression within the Colorado Division of Wildlife. Hmm. Um, First as a researcher, involved in the regulatory process later on in my career. Ran the human dimensions and wildlife section for the Colorado Division of Wildlife for several years, and then retired as assistant director for field operations for Colorado Division of Wildlife. So that was um, a, the setup for kind of coming here. But the reason we even came here was my wife grew up here in Spirit Lake. Hmm. Family started a resort or ran a resort in um, 1960, and it continued until the early 90s. Um, and we had family that was at the age where we were starting to lose family and illness mm-hmm. started to creep into our world. And so we came back after retirement to aid in that whole transition process. And we spent more time here in Iowa than we have spent at our home also in Colorado. So we're fortunate to have a place both places. 
and um, I have worked, and my wife, uh, my wife and I both are on the board of directors of Spirit Lake Protective Association, and have been for about seven years, and been fortunate to move into the position uh, here as the chair and president of the group, um, and also fortunate from a timing perspective to be able to work with a project like this. Yeah. I'm assuming this is a volunteer it's role for Fully volunteer, yeah. absolutely. We have an uh, all-volunteer board, um, and we're involved heavily in the fundraising for this project, which really brought us together, Mary Jo and I together in one significant way. We've probably known each other through other avenues before, but membership within Spirit Lake Protective Association is focused on the quality of water element. Mm -hmm. And Big Spirit Lake, which is about a 5,500 acre natural body of water. 5,500 acres that we're Yeah, 5,476 is I think the figure that they throw out. How deep is it? You know. Maximum depth uh, is between 22 and 23 feet. Oh, not very deep. Nope, not at all. And um, it is a walleye lake, right? Um, there would be those. I'm, I, th- I think that's. <laughs> is that the? R- I think that's a secret. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what other kind of? I mean, it is. It's, it's a destination to go fishing. The, the state record uh, muskie at 56 inches, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, comes from Spear Lake. It has a great perch fishery. It's got one of the best um, hardwater fisheries in the state of Iowa. Obviously, Minnesota's got many, many more, but for Iowa, ice fishing on Spirit Lake actually probably attracts and generates more fishermen days than any other. Hmm. The quality of water has been monitored very intensely over the years, and it continues to improve. Improve. And as we reduce the amount of input phosphorus, the amount of nitrogens that are coming into the lake, and in this particular project, what we were doing by the acquisition of this 195.5-acre parcel was literally shutting down three significant pumps that every year after a major rainfall pumps the water out of the basin that's going to be restored to marsh hmm. and pumps it directly into Big Spirit Lake with all of the solubilized phosphorus and nitrogens that have come from the soils. And we end up, you know, being able to increase the load of those things every time um, the lake is pumped or the wells are pumped. This project shuts those off. And actually so this this project of just shy of 200 acres, right. 195.5, shuts off three? Three wells. There's actually, the, if you look at the basin, and I, I think if you were able to see the the reconstruction, I think it's 60-plus acres of reconstruction. Isn't that not right, Tanner? Yeah, it's 65.5, and then there's some bounce area in there, so Based 65 on, to 80 acres, roughly. So, so during a, a significant rainfall, mm-hmm. th- two, three, four inches, that whole area fills up with water, not necessarily to the depth that we will see it once there's water control structures and the like involved, but a significant portion of that area fills up, and those wells pump that out in about a 48-hour period, mm. all of it into Big Spirit Lake with right. all of the stuff that comes with it. Right, nitrogen, insecticides, whatever. Silts, there are a lot of silt that comes into mm. it as well. Um, and so from a Spirit Lake Protective Association basis, you know, we we saw opportunity in the reduction of those particular product, uh, products, but we also look at the, the collaboration with folks north of the line as being significant mm-hmm. because in this drainage basin, mm-hmm. there's 43,000 acres of a 56,000-acre drainage basin that's on the Minnesota side. Mm. 
Say that again. So 56,000 is the the lake basin. It is the drainage basin for Big Spirit Lake in total. And then 43, 43 of the 56 is in Minnesota. Is in Minnesota. So it's, it's critical that you have a collaborative process to be able to continue to improve water quality on the mm-hmm. side. And, and for us, we've got great partners here within the state. Dickinson County Water Quality Commission contributed as we went through a whole process here in the state, but they contributed $100,000 towards this particular effort. And Spirit Lake Protective Association, in addition to that, um, raised another $150,000 from membership. Hmm. So a quarter of a million dollars going essentially into Minnesota, to Minnesota Pheasants Forever, and the development of this process um, for our component of water quality, critical to improvements in Big Spirit Lake. Wow. Um, so I'm assuming as part of the Spirit Lake Protective Association, you have your eyes on projects that are like this, that when they potentially come up and available, yeah, you're this, looking for partners. Absolutely. And see, this project, if you were to go back and look at the history of it, this is a decade-old project. Mm. This project first was conceived, well, let's even go back further. This, pro- this particular parcel of land was not drained in 1973 and 74. Hmm. It was still as natural, I suspect, as you could consider a parcel in 1973, 74 as being, hadn't been gone. 50 uh, years ago. Put into row crop or anything. There were small parcels of it, so pieces of it that had been, actually been um, converted to agriculture. But over the next 50 years, it went to row crop. And it was intensively farmed to the fact that even now today we still have a little, we still have crop on the property, which is in its last year. There was an effort to purchase that property. It was an intense effort. It finally fell through, um, but it stayed alive. And the important thing is the landowners who have been great cooperators in this, uh, which is very important, is that you have to continue to foster the relationships uh, the, the, the landowners continued to say, you know, we're still interested, and we maintained the contact and eventually got to the point where Minnesota PF said, time, let's go. So is it the same landowners from 73, 74 that, have, that it, it was purchased from? Essentially the same landowners. I don't think that the transition has been total, but I think they're, within their corporation there have been changes. Oh, wow, made. okay. So it's, it was corporately owned. Um, and, and so it was important that over that decade that we continue to make that relationship happen, and finally it came to pass. And it was probably about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more. Um, Dave was over here, he'd driven in, he was, you know, going to check out the lake and kind of drove down, and Joe Ullman was here, who was on the Spirit Lake Protective Association board, and he said, so you're a pheasant hunter, because hmm. he had this big... PF sticker, you know, on the... Yeah. We're talking about the, the landowner is named Dave. No. No, my husband. Oh, you're... Okay, your husband. No. Okay, got my it. My husband. Yeah, so he was just over here driving through the park, checking it out, and Joe comes over and he says, so you're a pheasant hunter? And he says, yeah, and he goes, someday we're going to be pheasant hunting right there across the road. Wow. And this was how far back? Probably probably about 10 years ten ago. Years, okay, yeah. wow. Huh. So a vision, I guess the point then is that, that it takes a vision. Yeah. And it takes people with energy to be able to look at these things and say not what it is today, but what it can be tomorrow. 
and that's why you bring together people for a lot of different reasons. In this case, it was water quality on our side of the table, not necessarily growing pheasants, but we bring <laughs> Pheasants Forever Iowa into the game because they want to grow pheasants, and they also want to have pollinators and a lot of other things that are important to the, the kind of outcomes that they seek to as an organization. Add in Dickinson County Water Quality Commission. Add in all of the other lake associations who benefit from this downstream. Add in individuals who are part of our Facebook page way outside but hmm. who have passion for Big Spirit Lake or the Iowa Great Lakes region generally. And money starts to flow in. So to tell these me things. about that. So you mentioned the significant amount of money has been donated to through your membership towards this project, and that was through Facebook, through what, kind of a call for action. What we did was is working with Minnesota pheasants. We determined a level of contribution that would allow the creation of a monument. And at $1,000 or more, the individual's names could be engraved on the monument to mm -hmm. be on that property. Mm -hmm. And so our marketing effort was, here's how we go about it. We are people who are interested in this property. We've been impassioned in these properties for years. Have your name engraved on the monument. It'll be installed in there for you and your families and your, the, the legacy that, um, that everybody wants to sure. kind of have uh, exists. So be there forever. Yeah, as, as long as somebody doesn't damage it. Uh, and so it's being constructed in a way that will protect both the monument and also the legacy. So it honestly, it mirrors our Build a Wildlife Area program on the Pheasants Forever side of things. Perfectly, I think. Yeah. So, so for folks that are listening, just tying some things together here, as you're listening to this episode, it is Build a Wildlife Area Week. And we're celebrating Build a Wildlife Area, which is our land acquisition program that we utilize all across the country to solve um, the creation of habitat and solve water quality issues, pollinator issues, public access issues, and create places for all of us to go put our boots on the ground behind a bird dog or maybe just a pair of binoculars looking at birds and pr at the same time protecting critical habitat for wildlife protecting water quality, protecting pollinator habitat, soil resources, climate resiliency. You can just keep going down the list, the right? List, the list is long. The list goes on. So as I mentioned, it is um, Build a Wildlife Area Week right now. Our goal during this week is to raise $1 million during the course of this week. And we have a $150,000 match in play from an anonymous donor and the meat eater um, oddities auction um, generated another $150,000 and if you want to contribute to our land acquisition efforts go to pheasantsforever.org or quailforever.org and you can check out the Yeti lowball with the public land creator slogan on it make a donation and help us create uh, permanent public land acquisition projects like this one one other shout out and I mentioned them in the beginning Onyx Hunt Onyx Hunt is a uh, contributor not only to the PATH program in South Dakota, which we had Ben Bredigan on talking about uh, just a couple weeks ago. Um, they contributed additional dollars to this land acquisition as well, um, or this acquisition, which is a little bit different than the, the PATH program. Um, if you're listening right now and you're not yet a member of Onyx, um, you can sign up for the Onyx Hunt app. 
by using the code PFQF and you'll get 20% off your Onyx Hunt membership. That's 20% off by using the code PFQF and Onyx will donate another portion of that contribution back to Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's Habitat mission. All right, so we've, we've heard from, from John here about water quality in the connection to how this land north of the border is going to help filter things from getting into Spirit Lake. Um, Mary Jo, tell us about your perspective as a pheasant hunter, what this project means. Well, I mean, I think that it's huge. So if you if you go back to um, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever's mission, mm -hmm. you know, we want to conserve pheasants, quail, all wildlife. Mm -hmm. We want to have pollinators. We want to have access uh, for individuals to be able to go onto public land. Yeah. And and this property is is going to do that as well as really help the water quality. Yeah. Yeah. Which is important to you as a chapter volunteer that lives in this area because it's sort of the the grand slam. It just hits every single base for you, doesn't it? Right. Absolutely. And <clears throat> we did a little survey not too long ago and our membership the the highest thing that they really wanted us to focus on was habitat improvement for public grounds. Mm. And I mean this is like going to be <laughs> absolutely hit it on the on the head right there. Mm -hmm. So we're geared up to when those crops come out to jump over there and start uh, helping with that habitat improvement. We just worked together this last week, in fact, two days ago, mm -hmm. on a property that was also acquired over on the east side of the lake called Reed's Run, in which Pheasants Forever was the lead hmm. on a property that was starting to have some shrubbery growth, regrowth on the property. Mm -hmm. We brought together a group of about 20 mm -hmm. individuals to come in, working with the Dickinson County Conservation Group mm -hmm. uh, at the county level, and cleared off in three hours multiple truckloads of chopped green ash hmm. um, as, as an example of another partnership, not acquiring property, but it was on a property that was acquired and is also a pheasant hunting property. And the other thing that's going on relative to pollinators right now is we are at the peak of the monarch butterfly mon migration. Yeah. And what you we saw this year is a roost of over 500 monarch butterflies just down the way here in no small part because we're improving the pollinator habitat in this area. Wow. Um, and when you see those kinds of things, particularly knowing the plight of the monarch butterflies, it all kind of fits together. Yeah, it does. Um, and so you're able to deal with your passion of PF and QF. I'm able to deal with my passion for quality of water and quality of life around Big Spirit Lake, but there's actually things that extend way beyond that that are being impacted positively by the efforts that we all are talking about today. Mm -hmm. Right, and if you haven't ever seen a monarch uh, migration, oh my, it, <laughs> yeah. it is unbelievable. Yeah, Tell and us about it. It was just like, and it's like, like John said, I mean, it's like right here in our backyard. Mm -hmm. So the, I mean, the trees are just lined with butterflies. Mm -hmm. Everywhere you go, there are butterflies flying and um, it's, it's, just amazing to see that many. Do you remember seeing altogether. that something like that as a kid? I don't. Only once for me. Yeah, it is. It's staggering. So I grew up on um, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan near a little peninsula that sticks out into Lake Michigan called Stonington Peninsula, and it's it's actually a staging area 
for monarchs before they make the leap over Lake well, the, Michigan. Yeah. So, I mean, I've witnessed them by the thousands. And I also rough grouse hunt there, too. <laughs> but it's, it's just unbelievable. You know, it's normally like as we record this right before the rough grouse opener. Michigan's tomorrow. <laughs> so we're recording this on September 14th. It, and you're right. Like right now is the peak of, of those uh, monarchs moving and across the, the Midwest heading south. It's interesting for me and my age. I remember more monarchs when I was younger than I do now. Sure. So there was probably a sweet spot in which that population was greater. And I remember my parents' trees just being lined, like you mentioned. And I'm starting to see it again, which is pretty exciting and, and showcasing through partnerships, which is evident through this podcast, um, what we're accomplishing together and, and benefiting all wildlife pollinators. Um, and for clarification, we know that monarchs are population nationwide are way down. I think what we're highlighting here is the fact where you have good quality habitat around. Unfortunately, it concentrates them, so you do get to witness them. It, it, there's definitely a need for more projects like this. Well, it's ex exactly what it is, but it actually brings the passion out. You hear it in Mary Jo's voice right because out. she got a chance to see it yep. up, up close and personal, and she knows that she, by doing the work with PF, She's helping to contribute to make it better. And this is a project that will also make it better. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing it to pheasants for a moment, Tanner, I think about these, they call them thunderstorm maps in the business, right? And you've, you try to throw dogs off the scent about there's no birds in southwest Minnesota. <laughs> Not Lyon County. <laughs> but I found a few. Yeah. Darn it. But the reality is, like, you put it, habitat in southwest Minnesota, it does have the highest potential to produce birds of anywhere else you can put them in the state. I mean, that's just a fact, Absolutely. right? Absolutely, yep. So projects, you know, that dovetail on the north shore here of Spirit Lake, you know, to clean what's going into the water has an absolute direct impact on creating habitat that's going to have tremendous benefits for wild roosters and hens yes in uh in southwest Minnesota. we need both yeah. yeah um tell us a little bit about okay you got mary joe here with the local chapter opportunity you got john here with the the protective association wanting clean up water it seems like a marriage made in heaven um, and I know you just go down the road, Worthington, the Worthington Wells project. Yep. This isn't the first project where water quality has been the kind of the impetus to pull things together, is it? No, it's not. And, you know, growing up near Worthington and seeing, you know, I kind of grew up right in the heart of Lake Bella. Mm. And that's where the wells are that actually provide water to the city of Worthington. Um, and what's been done there through partnerships uh, exactly like what we're doing now uh, here today has just been huge um, to clean up that water and to provide that wildlife benefit as well and pollinators. And the reality is, is when you, when you look at these partnerships and the unique one here today with this property and like the across state lines is when we talk about a pheasant, it's not going to walk across the road and say, oh, I'm an Iwegian now. <laughs> That's a, right. a monarch's not going to go flying across mm -hmm. and say, oh, I need a I need a li different license to mm -hmm. be in Iowa. Um, so I think that's really the powerful part. And <laughs> it's, not, it's not even just the state line portion. Mm -hmm. We're also talking the county lines. Right. You know? Private land, public land. Yep. You know? yep, absolutely. And, you know, 
this project is just across the line, but on the immediately to the south, Spirit Lake Protective Association and PF probably as well have been working with the Iowa Natural Heritage Foundation, who has also been involved in this, in, project, in this, this particular project, project mm-hmm. on the Minnesota side. Mm-hmm. But they've got major property in what they call their North Shore project here on the North Shore of Big Spirit Lake, also doing restorations of marsh and uh, pollinator areas. And they're working collaboratively with landowners to continue row cropping to be able to demonstrate that water quality doesn't necessarily only get improved when you reduce things down to only to prairie and only to grasses that you can continue to row crop mm-hmm. in, as long as you do it wisely mm-hmm. with uh, interspersing of, of uh, cover crop particularly and using border strips um, and maintaining alfalfa. You'll see that right down mm-hmm. the road across the road from where we're yep. at. It uh, goes back to that old slogan, farm the best, buffer the rest, or yeah. farm the best, conserve, conserve the, the rest. rest. You know, pick, CRP yeah. the rest. Right, whatever, yeah. whatever alliteration you want to go with. But it is, you know, the, your best soil absolutely should, you know, food, fiber, fuel. Um, but then there are places that um, a little bit of prairie can go a long way. Absolutely. And then you've got U.S. Uh, game and fish that's involved as well. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Yes. Excuse me, I misspoke. That's all right. That's all right. So um, because we have celery in... in, Wild uh, celery. Wild celery. On the shore. Yep. Yeah. In fact... I didn't know that. This this lake, this year, in fact, it was... I've got photographs somewhere along the line you guys might want to see, but one of the reasons that a lot of attention was attracted is this area, and particularly the, the Minnesota side, but seen in Big Spirit Lake, is a wonderful migration route for canvasbacks and redheads. Every spring, every fall, lots of them. And that particular property over there is covered with them when it's in the spring. Vallisneria is one of the preferred foods because canvasbacks actually have vallisneria. Vallisneria. That's exactly right. It, it, Which is wild celery. Yeah, correct? it sounds a little bit right? uh, like an STD. But <laughs> oh, okay. Well, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a science geek in me. So so it's wild celery. And this year, the shorelines of Big Spirit Lake were actually covered around the entire perimeter with huge piles of uprooted area, wild celery, huh. um, because of a wind event that occurred, which is atypical for them, and it was also an atypical growth period. But we have seen a rebounding of uh, wild celery in mm. Big Spirit Lake and anticipate that there's going to be one heck of a uh, diving duck flight. Well, there. I don't know, Mary Jo, if you, when you said wild celery, Tanner, like, sat, sat up posture-wise, <laughs> and his eyes started glistening. Uh, have you seen a fair amount of canvasbacks and redheads? Oh, this spring we had the most diver ducks I've oh, ever, ever seen in the cool. 20 years that we've been here. It was huh. unbelievable migration. Yeah. Every time I talk to Joe Ullman, who's in the building today but not sitting here with us uh, as part of the Spirit Lake Protective Association, every time I hang up the phone with him, he goes, let's get some canvas backs out there, huh, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, tell, let's go back to the chapter just for a moment. Tell us about y- your chapter, Mary Jo. And, like the, I'm assuming it was – a lot of energy around this project, really easy to sell. But tell me about it. Like, did the volunteers in this chapter, like, yes, we should raise money and get our money invested in this project. 
Well, our, our chapter has been through an interesting time, and we actually just relaunched our chapter in April. And so, um, you know, with that, we are in the process of raising money and trying to get things going again. So this was a terrific rally point for you. Yes. So uh, we, uh, we obviously wanted to be a part of this project, and we made sure that that happened. Cool. If you look at the monument, you'll see a profusion of names of folks who are PF members, Yeah, both current, probably former. I've been both. I've been current and former. (laughs) I think I'm current now. Yeah, you're current. (laughs) (laughs) And on the the monument itself, you know, you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, Bob, but it's actually two-sided, the monument is, because there are so many people supporting this project. That's a pretty cool statement. Yeah, there were a hundred and... 30 to 145 individuals who contributed over $1,000. And for us as individuals, we had some that gave between 10 and 15,000 as individuals Um, on a small project simply to improve water quality. Uh, They may not ever set foot on the property other than Mm -hmm. maybe for the dedication today. So try to put into words why it's so important to to write a check of that amount for a hunter. It doesn't sound like you're hardcore bird hunter like water quality is your critical point here. i've only hunted pheasants in south dakota the last 30 years is that okay so you are pretty it hard doesn't hard. it doesn't so count. it does that doesn't count <laughs> no, I, I didn't know i'm a lab guy and therefore it doesn't count yeah. apparently yeah. all right yeah. i get it you know those pointer guys so yeah, it, yeah, so I it do. is it is the combination of everything for you well it, it really is i think what you'll find is you'll find people who really get it mm-hmm. uh, we have a membership that gets it we have a population around the lake who gets it, and, and if you frame the messaging correctly, that it's not just about raising a pheasant to go out and hunt it. Mm-hmm. It's about a bigger picture, and it's about water quality in our case on this particular project. We had people in three months that we raised literally that whole quarter of a million dollars. Wow. And f- we have not raised a project like that. This, this lodge that we're in is the other project that we were involved in that was significant. This building was going to be torn down by the state of Iowa as it was becoming more and more decayed. Uh, It was built in the CCC period, 1933. Um, Fieldstone all assembled here. It was not enclosed. It was all open. The building's roof was pretty well rotted off. And Spirit Lake Protective Association and the the local citizenry raised right at about $2 million to enclose this, create a kitchen do the things that you see around here now, and it gets utilized for weddings, for special events, uh, and by us organizationally uh, all year long from spring to fall. It's a really strong sense of community around this lake, isn't it? Absolutely, and it extends across the entire Iowa Great Lakes region. But the important piece that this one has to do with that 43,000 acres Mm -hmm. that actually extends up into Minnesota requiring really, really close collaboration yeah. and important building of relationships and the maintenance of relationships over long periods of time. It's not just a one-year thing. This is a decades-long kind of thing. Yep, so. absolutely. All right, Tanner, I'm sure there are people listening from Colorado, Montana, um, you know, Illinois, Iowa, parts of Minnesota, and they're thinking... I want to move to Minnesota? Is that? <laughs> no. Canvasbacks and redheads? Yeah, what? Pheasants? In abundance. Yeah. 
Um, but they're, they're saying, you know, maybe it's a stream, maybe it's a lake they live near. There's some water quality issues. There's habitat opportunities. You know, we have John here and we have Mary Jo here that are local community volunteers. How do they reach out to Pheasants Forever and get a project like this across the finish line? And that's what I view you, like you help pull U.S. Fish and Wildlife together with Minnesota DNR, Spirit Lake Protective Association, local chapters. How does a project elevate to actually come to fruition? Yeah, I mean, it starts with the partners that you just mentioned, right? You have to have partners to drive it, but you also need to have a landowner that either currently owns the land, um, is dedicated also to the same things. Um, they're, yeah, that's a great point. They're looking at leaving a legacy. They like conservation. Um, whatever their reason is, uh, that individual, whether they maintain it and our private land staff work with that individual to put conservation on the ground, or if we're looking at acquisition opportunities. Um, so that connection with the landowner, we talked about that a little bit earlier too, mm -hmm. Oh, This has been a conversation for 10 years. Mm -hmm. doesn't happen overnight. Um, so maintaining that relationship with the landowner and then finding the right contact, right? If, if you're in Illinois, look for your Illinois state coordinator. Uh, reach out to Pheasants Forever. Reach out to Jared Wicklin, whomever, mm -hmm. and we will work to connect those dots with all the other local partners, all the local individuals, uh, work with the individuals that would be the long-term land holders, like the Minnesota DNR, like the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, um, and just continue those conversations and, and also look at the funding mechanisms. What, what's it going to take to get there? Um, and, and how can we collaborate with others to, to make sure we can come up with the finances in an acquisition case um, to acquire that property and provide that public benefit forever? And, and from a group like ours, it requires individuals who have a passion for seeing and an ability to see mm -hmm. a project, not as it is, but as it could be. Mm -hmm. And then they have the doggedness to stick with it and stick with it long enough that they can see it to completion. So that's an important element mm -hmm. of, of this whole thing. And then have the willingness to, to, to work with groups and reach out to groups and talk to them and say, I have an idea. And if this idea comes to pass, here's the things that I will benefit from it, but here are the things you'll benefit from yep. it. Mm -hmm. And then two people, and then three, and then four, and then five, and over a long enough time, you figure out a plan, and you work the plan. There's a heck of a lot of passion involved. And yeah. as we've talked, it can be for different things, but it all comes back to, to the same resource. You know, I think I, I mentioned way back when episode one of this podcast, I talked with Aaron Sandquist on anatomy of a land acquisition. I asked a similar question to him, and I didn't learn my lesson because you answered it very same by going to the landowner first, yep. right? It, it really all starts with a landowner who has a mindset of, I would like to see this somehow maintain in prairies or, or wildlife habitat or to protect water quality. And that the, the, the catalyst at the very beginning of something like this is a landowner. And we've been very fortunate as an organization. I don't know what the number is today, but it was like landowners have donated more than $10 million worth of land value. And I'm sure that number is, is more than that now. Yep. Um, back to our organization by taking something less than market value because they wanted to see land become 
wildlife management area or in this case a waterfall production area it'll be permanently protected as wildlife habitat and downstream helping to protect water quality yep. we look at that as leaving a conservation legacy yeah and and it's not just for a, a year or a, a, a decade it's could be forever yeah uh, if it remains in that particular status it could continue to do the things that we conceive of today for another hundred years or more our name is forever, so yep. the idea is more than 100 forever. years. Forever. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go around the horn for closing thoughts. Uh, before I do, um, I do want to remind listeners to check out the website, pheasantsforever.org, quailforever.org. It is Build Wildlife Area Week. You can help make a contribution to our efforts to create more of these public land acquisitions for permanent public access and protection of critical habitat uh, we've got a special incentive with a yeti branded lowball featuring our logos and the public land creator so as we go around the horn let's start with john um, what's your closing thought for this conversation what uh, how would you put a bow on this for listeners well for me it's really easy this is all about collaboration and quality of water for Big Spirit Lake. And that brings me here with the passion to sit down and have podcast time, mm. to meet new people, to deal in retirement with stuff that, you know, I could be sitting back with the fishing pole hmm. and just fishing, mm -hmm. but that's not enough. And what you want to do is you want to be able to focus on something that does product is productive. And the collaboration and the dealing with water quality on Big Spear Lake is a passion. And it continues to be. And anything that's up in that drainage remains kind of fair game for Spirit Lake Protective Association to be involved in going forward. Hopefully PF too. Cool. Thank you for, yeah, you could tell absolutely that you had a career in this. And it was more than a career. It was it's part of your identity, isn't it? It, it remains a piece of who you are, yeah. and there are very, very few folks that are in this business, mm -hmm. the business that you're in as well, in which there's not passion that's deep and well-seated. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for your not only financial contributions, but the, the heart you put in this. It's really, it's really clear. Thank you. Speaking of putting heart in everything, Mary Jo, you know, you also could have a fishing pole in your hand. But you volunteer as a chapter officer uh, for this organization. You've helped with this land acquisition. So thank you to you as well. Um, as you think about putting kind of your closing thoughts on this conversation, what, what comes to mind for you? Well, I, I just would encourage anybody who, you know, has that inkling that they want to be involved, but they're just a little hesitant hmm. to step out of their comfort zone and, you know, reach out to a local chapter get involved, um, get outside. It's, um, it's so rewarding. I, my whole career was behind a desk mm. and, you know, and I just always was looking forward to spring that you could get out in nature and do the things that you really want to do. And now I'm fortunate enough that I can do it every single day. That's cool. And so, you know, volunteer, help out, help others. Um, do some habitat improvement. Cool. Thank you for doing that. Tanner, take me home, buddy. You got to throw me in last, huh, Bob? I do. You, you know, that this is your mic drop opportunity, Mike, Tanner. Well, I guess, you know, sitting here through this conversation, thinking about the last, you know, months, years, 
what we're talking about right now is a big deal. Um, it's a big deal for the people. It's a big deal for the wildlife, big deal for water quality. And I want to thank Spirit Lake Protective Association for everything that they've done. Uh, thank our, our chapters that span across Minnesota, 32 Iowa, of them. 32 of them. So I don't want to mention just one yep. because, yep. you know, then watch out. Um, but anyways, thank our chapters. Thank our volunteers because, again, this is a big deal, and it is going to make a difference. Um, and it doesn't happen overnight. So with that, we're making birds. Um, mm -hmm. We're cleaning water. Uh, we're providing opportunities for pollinators and all the other things Bob mentioned earlier. Um, so just a huge heartfelt thank you for the passion and the drive and for everything that you guys have done. Let's make more of them. Let's make more of them indeed. And it, I think about um, recently on Instagram, I posted a, a photo of a, my dog with a sharp-tailed grouse um, from uh, North Dakota and then North Dakota sharp, Sharpie opener. And as the world in which we live today, the social media has brought the entire world together. And this person from Portugal messaged me via Instagram. like, what is this like in, a, in the United States where you can just go out and go hunting as a, like, you work for a nonprofit. I'm assuming you're not rich. <laughs> like this is true, yeah. right? And but I but we all are rich because of our public lands. We all are public landowners. You know, coining that slogan that backcountry hunters and anglers have put to to great use. Um, but we all are very rich by the resources that we have in this country and the public access that we have and what all of you have done by adding to it. You know, here's a person in Portugal that looks around, you know, I know, you know, we, we've heard the stories of Europe, like the, only the rich can experience what is uh, the joy that we all have, whether it's a lab or short hair. <laughs> uh -huh. Follow, following, labs. following. Labs yeah, labs are better. Yeah. 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 No, I, I'm, I'm defenseless in this conversation. <laughs> and I like it. <laughs> but we can all agree no matter what breed, right, when you release that pop-up from behind the tailgate and all you see is prairie, and whether there's going to be a limit of birds or not, you know, the freedom that we have and living in this country and the public access and the joy we get to experience, you know, that's so easy to take for granted. And then it just takes a person from Portugal to send you an Instagram message, message and it's like, Pers yeah, perspective. Yeah, perspective. Down. So yeah, well said, uh, folks. Please be a part of this. Help us generate more public lands for all of us. Um, Pheasantsforever.org. Build a wildlife area week. Mary Jo, thank you for being a volunteer. Thanks for making this happen. Thanks for asking me. Um, John, thank you very much for for carrying forward what was, I'm sure, a very rewarding career into something that uh, you continue to do and leave your own legacy. That's tremendously appreciated. Bob, thank you, too. This has been wonderful, actually. I really enjoyed it. Cool. Tanner, I want to see some more of these. We're working on it <laughs> every day. Um, and thank you to the listener. Thanks for being a part of our organization. Please, if you're not currently a member, join, uh, donate, uh, get involved. Whether it's water quality, whether you're worried about 
climate, whether you're worried about public lands, um, pollinators, or you simply love chasing wild quail, sharp-tailed grouse, sage grouse, or ring-necked pheasants. Uh, we can all come into conservation from different points of view, but there's a lot of commonality when we all get together. Um, and as I close, I think about the person that uh, this property is named in honor, Howard K. Vincent. Uh, 40 years with this organization. Um, it is just a wonderful tribute knowing that this property is cleaning the waters, Spirit Lake, creating habitat for monarch butterflies, um, habitat for pheasants, and uh, public access for all of us. So, Howard, cheers. I'm Bob St. Pierre reminding you all to follow that dog. Something good will rise. Thanks, folks. <laughs>